Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the first ever live podcast. We are sitting here right now in the wonderful Lexus Birdcage, later to be joined by the wonderful Executive Vice President and GM Eric Ibsen. I am Jacob Hornstein. Thank you for joining Designated Chatter, the official podcast of the Toledo Mudhens and Walleye. Ethan Octon, my co-host. Isn't that, does it sound fantastic? It's <laughs> amazing. And like you said, here from the birdcage, everyone, if you guys don't know what the birdcage is, it's actually where they do the pre- and post-game shows for the Mud Hens game, where uh, radio legend Jim Weber joins Matt Milzak down here for pre- and post-game. Uh, just, just to look behind me, the view that you see of the beautiful fifth-third field, it's, it's an amazing view. And to be here with you, Jacob, with another great guest on today to start the official podcast of the Mudheads and Wildlife, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It is fantastic. And again, we'll hit on it throughout the entire podcast. But if you have not tuned into Designated Chatter, get ready for some fantastic content. It's going to be everything Toledo Mudheads and Wildlife. We're going to take you behind the scenes of what happens on an everyday game or what happens or what needs to happen, whether it be during a homestand or whether it be when the muddins are on the road or when the wally are on the road to make sure that we do the best we can to provide the best output for the mud hens and walleye fans and it's just it, this is a surreal feeling yes and uh, it's going to be a fantastic ride and we can't wait to go along that ride with you but ethan how i like, just to see like where do you where do you think like what do you think this is going to do like it's it's crazy i'm like, lost, yeah, lost for words, words. Lost i for understand words. but <laughs> Yeah, like Jacob was saying, guys, we couldn't be more thankful to be in T-Town here with you guys. And like we mentioned before, another, it's a great way to start off episode one with the GM, Eric, coming on. And he talks about a lot of great things about the behind the scenes in the industry and what it takes to, you know, make the experiences like Winterfest, like opening day, um, getting past COVID, stuff like that, that was really grueling for industry and to bounce back and have a great start to the season. It's amazing to see and we can't wait to share all the content we can with you guys. Yeah, and we hit on, like Ethan said, a lot of different things that have gone into the history and the success of the Toledo Mud Hens. So definitely make sure to stay tuned for later in the podcast. But at the same time, like I, like I just said, we're going to have a lot of streamlined content. And if you are a fan listening, and don't be afraid to just give us a shout out and let us know what you want to hear from us. Uh, what, what Maybe what uh, historical mark in the Mud Hens history you want us to talk about. Maybe a certain guest you want us to have on. So yes, be sure to be interactive with us that's exactly what we want right Ethan yes exactly and interactive go you one step further is um, for designated chatter fans out there who have listened into the podcast before we have a great segment at the end of the show called the pickle so it's a 10 question segment that we reach out to people or give our guests and they give us the best responses and a 10 rapid fire question there and uh, we would love for the 10th question to come from you guys t-town so through social media especially through the next couple of podcasts we're going to be posting out those um trials to post your questions out and we'll post who our next guest is and you'll be able to ask that last question to our guest and we'll be able to pick one of you guys to do that for us so we can't like like again it's just surreal you know you lose words being here sitting in lexus birdcage live here from fifth third field and um, it's a real moment, and we can't wait to share it with you guys and give you the best content we can. Ever. Yeah, just to be sitting here and just sharing the smells of Fifth Third Field and just to be, again, here in the heart of downtown. And what better way just to get this 
started rather than having one of the faces of the Mud Hens franchise, not franchise, one of the Mud Hens uh, organization over the past 20 years. I mean, he's he's been here for 25 years, started here as a ticket sales representative and has climbed his way to the executive vice president and, and GM role. And for Eric to come on and he's shown us a lot of appreciation. And we're, we, again, we just cannot wait to bring you everything that he's been through, what it's taken to get to his role and also what he sees on a daily basis and what he sees and what he thinks gets the Mud Hens to be one of the best minor league teams in the country and what Toledo being one of the best if not the best minor league sports cities in the country yes. so yes uh, stay but tuned everybody uh, Ethan thank you again this is it's gonna be a wild it's, ride it's gonna be a wild ride so just to let you know too Tom this is just the start of it we're not leaving anytime soon and we're gonna bring the best raw content we can to you guys the stuff that you guys don't know the behind the scenes that goes into everything from people within the organization to even the celebrities outside we would love to have everyone we can from Toledo to share their experiences with us. And, uh, yeah, like, like again, like we both just kept saying, we just can't wait to get this all started and going. We, we appreciate T-Town. We appreciate the organization. And uh, ready to take flight with this, Jacob. Yes, sir. So without further ado, Eric Gibson, Executive Vice President and GM of the Toledo Mudhead, joins us on the show in just one second, or maybe a couple seconds. So stay tuned. Kickstart our festivity festivities here on Designated Chatter. We, like we said, we're picking up all the content for you, ladies and gentlemen, just tuning in for all Toledo Mudhens and Walleye. And to kickstart it again, we are having the executive vice president and GM of the Toledo Mudhens joining us today, Mr. Eric Ibsen. First off, a huge thank you again for allowing us to do this. This is fantastic. And how are you doing today? doing great we're excited thank you guys for doing this and mm -hmm. thanks for having me no of course of course and uh obviously uh, as everyone has heard before this has been in development for a long time it's just fantastic to be here and fantastic to just get down and just get behind the scenes and see what's gone into your career and also what goes into an everyday game just to see what goes beyond behind the scenes as well so yeah just to jump into it i want to ask you a little bit of a career question and obviously you've had a very successful and lengthy career spanning just to over over 25 years and that's that's fantastic it's crazy for anyone to have that much success in the industry for that long time so congrats to you for that thank you and you also talk about this a lot and i see you all the time putting hands in everywhere i mean you're scooping ice cream the other night and obviously uh, joe napoli talks about just helping out any anywhere and everywhere you can and you talk about that wear multiple hats analogy all the time and just to Put that into your career perspective like how were you able to use that to not only create success getting to the spot you are today but at the same time motivate your staff at the same time like how have you been able to build such a great career yet also keep a humble perspective at the same time if you will well i i, I think it's just comes with the industry and minor league baseball is is so unique and the people that work in it and minor league sports as a whole really that you know, if you have minor league sports in your DNA and that's your career, you're you're probably not going to be successful unless you're ready to wear multiple hats, jump in and do multiple things, help out, whether that's tearing tickets or pouring beer or scooping ice cream or directing traffic or on occasion picking up trash after a game. You know, it's one of those things that um, our staff does a wonderful job on just helping each other out, helping departments out. Obviously the last couple of years with 
COVID and what it did to our industry has magnified that a little bit. But it's, it's really just the DNA of your people and the staff that you have and the most successful minor league teams are going to be the ones that obviously sell a lot of tickets and do well financially. But another measure of the success is the staff you have and who wants to be there and who's willing to jump in and it's it's really like a second family from the amount of time that people spend in it, spend here and for as many people as we've had working here for a long period of time it, it really is family so that's that's all mixed together to help get us to where we're at of course and i also wanted to hit on the fact that you spent a lot of time in tickets as well before you and i mean did that help a lot especially in the job you are now like does it help knowing the ticket system or know what goes into like a ticket program what it takes to put together a promotion like does that help knowing what goes into an everyday game i i think I, I I think the ticket background I have, I was hired as a entry-level sales rep 25 years ago selling season ticket plans and mini packs and group tickets and those things. I, I, I don't think you have to sell tickets to understand uh, the ticketing system or those sorts of things, but you're going to better understand the overall business with some sort of sales background, whether that's ticket sales, sponsorships. Uh, you know, food and beverage sales, all the things that we do, the, the fanware and the retail side of things. Having a background in sales does help you a little bit more on the business side, understand how all things come together and what a successful financial year or years looks like. But we've had many staff members who've been with us a long time come from various backgrounds. Sales is a little bit more of an open path just because we, we seem to have more people in sales. So when you look at it from just a sheer numbers standpoint and want people wanting to get into the business, if you have an interest in sales, your odds are probably a little bit better because those positions, one, there's more of them, and two, they turn over a little bit more than some of the other departments. Um, but it, I, I think my background in sales just helps me understand the business side better than uh, if I had had other sorts of backgrounds. So uh, one thing you mentioned earlier on was uh, how COVID affected this team and all minor league sports in that matter. So when COVID came around, like you said, it put the whole world in a shock. There was no baseball uh, played during the 2020 season. Uh, what were some keys that you took in and what was the mindset bringing baseball back to fifth third field? Well, I think, I, I mean, so really, if you, if you really look at it in its most basic concept minor league sports is an event driven people driven business and we are completely dependent upon ticket sales food and beverage sales and souvenir sales so covid really wiped out minor league baseball and it had an impact on all sports but obviously major league baseball the nba the nfl could would would find ways to make it work and that the TV money alone that that those organizations get through their corporate sponsorships and TV agreements uh, make that a an endeavor that's going to just happen because you're talking about millions and billions of dollars for minor league sports it really does depend upon how many people are sitting in the seats how many hot dogs and beers we sell and how many mud hen hats and t-shirts we sell so we literally wiped out a whole season and had to start from scratch and it was it was a challenge um, we went through staffing difficulties we we stripped down the full-time staff from about 60 to 20. Uh, those 20 were doing everything they could and wearing multiple hats and then you had to deal with the challenges of uh, 
having to furlough full-time staff members that have been here a long time so you know fast forward to 2021 where we were able to open with reduced capacities it was a weird year last year just kind of getting going after having no year the year before but it was obviously better than than no baseball and we we started to go through our growing pains to get things going again last year and then this year is a little bit more back to normal people ask me you know are you all the way back and we're, we're not yet it's it's probably going to be a 2023 thing before we're where we feel all the way back I, I tell people all the time it feels like with each passing day we get there a little bit more but there's certain attendance numbers and things that we want to accomplish and things that we're not all the way back to where we were pre-covid yeah. And uh, the, you, you hit it on the nail where you said that it's going to be it's going to take some time. But at the same time, we're still in the middle of a very successful and it seems from the outside looking in from a very successful, another fantastic year of baseball, obviously coming off a really fantastic year of walleye. And I also wanted to ask, was it a surprise with coming off of COVID, how fast things picked up for the Mudhens? I know it was the, the first goal was to just open up to no fans or it was 20 percent and then it just increased rapidly and then now we're at this point where it was i felt like it kind of exceeded expectations like what was that what were the expectations like going into that so yeah really when, when you come from 2020 where it was zero and then we were trying to do budgets for 2021 not knowing where things were going to be i think our initial budget was probably for about 100 to 125,000 people because we figured there'd be reduced capacities all season long and that 100, 125,000 people is compared to the 535,000 that we've averaged for 20 plus years. So um, when restrictions got lifted much quicker than we thought, that was an adjustment on the fly, a good one. Uh, but you're doing multiple versions of budgets, you're doing multiple versions of seating layouts based upon social distancing and where we had to put people and what we could do and couldn't do and what major league baseball said we could do and couldn't do and we ended up hitting 300,000 by the end of 2021 which nobody in the spring leading up to 2021 season thought we were going to have the opportunity to do that so you know we've taken the budget a step further this year you know we're, we're probably a year hopefully not two years but hopefully a year away from getting back to that 525, 535,000, you know, we'll be somewhere between 300,000 and 500,000 for this 2022 season. Now, is that an homage to just how crazy and how diehard the Toledo fans are? Because I also want to hit on a statistic and I, we, uh, part of when I was in college, we came here and we learned a very interesting statistic from the ticket department and that normally throughout the regular season, only 15% of fans are diehard fans so especially on the baseball side hockey it's a bit different especially here and uh, uh, is that paying homage to how crazy the fans are here into the, how like diehard they are in that aspect but also you're having to from the mud hens perspective you're having to drive in a regular day fan looking for a good time like what is that goal like but also at the same time like how crazy is it to know that you have a fan base that is willing to come out on an everyday basis and support their teams well, I, I mean, we're really fortunate that Toledo is, with no doubt, in a very biased opinion, but I think a lot of the facts back it up, is that Toledo is the best minor league sports market in the country. When you get into the data through 
Nielsen and Scarborough and all these facts and figures that we can find about the percentage of the Toledo market that are attendees at Mud Hens and Walleye games. So, you know, that part we've always been fortunate with. Um, the, the diehard fan piece that you talk about, a lot of people don't know that. So if you take a 10,000 person crowd, there's only about 15% of that crowd that is considered a diehard baseball fan. And I mean, they know what place we're in. They know all the guys on the roster. They know who we're playing. They know everything. It's, it's not just the casual fan. So that's 15%. And then I think with the last numbers pre-COVID that we ran, the next step up is fan of baseball, so casual fan, meaning they like baseball, they like the mud hens, they know a little bit. That's about another 25 to 30%. So when you add those two components, you're not even hitting 50% of the audience or the attendance. So what business could stay in business with just that percentage of their fans showing up so what that means is minor league baseball hockey whatever minor league sport you're working in it's really dependent upon the experience the affordability uh there's a lot of people that come to hens and walleye games that aren't huge baseball and hockey fans they they're here for a fun night out maybe they have out of town family or friends that they want to show off the ballpark to uh, maybe they're part of their company picnic. Maybe they're here with their son or daughter's Little League baseball or softball team, their church group, their scout troop, uh, somebody's retirement party, a major life birthday. <laughs> so those are the things where we get really aggressive from the sales aspect, and we have to, to find those people to, f to have them come out, try what the Mud Hen experience is like. And more often than not, when we get them to come out, they're going to come back because they like what they see, even if they're not a diehard baseball fan, even if they don't know what our record is. Some people walk out of here and not even know the score. Mm -hmm. So it's combining the baseball fans with people that just want a fun, safe, affordable experience. And that's where minor league baseball has really found its niche over the last 20 years or so. Definitely, definitely. Um, and like Jacob mentioned before, what a great successful start we've had to the 2022 season. So as everyone knows here in T-Town, on Tuesday, April 5th of 2022, the Mud Hens took the field at full strength for the first time since the pandemic, packing in 10,000-plus fans in the fifth third field. Walk us through the preparation it took to bring in another great opening day to Toledo. Well, open, opening day, we're, we're lucky there, too, in Toledo, because opening day in a lot of minor league communities is special. It's the start of a season, but it's, it's nothing like mm -hmm. what Toledo experiences. Toledo, once the next year's schedule comes out, people mark it on their calendar. Many people take off work. It's really almost like an unofficial holiday in town or a rite of passage, I'll call it, uh, every spring where Mud Hens opening day has a major league opening day feel, just obviously on a smaller scale than a Detroit or a Cincinnati or wherever you're going to go. So we've been really fortunate to build off of that, and that's been consistent for the 20 years that we've been in fifth, third field. Um, the work to get there, I mean, that's the credit to the staff, you know, whether it's the sales department, the promotions department, the operations fanware food and beverage you know you've got six or seven main groups coming together to pull off events on a regular basis with opening day just being that much more under the microscope and magnified because it's so popular and you know there's there's six months of off season every year not only to prepare for opening day but to prepare for 
the entire season. So that's that's something that we really try and focus on and make sure that we're ready for every year. And our pride takes great staff, or our staff takes great pride in really putting together the plan and executing it and adding things and trying to come up with unique promotions and components. And, and opening day is really just the the, the, the major event that kicks it all off. But really, if, if you were to go to other minor league baseball teams, um, you might be a little disappointed from some of the opening day experiences based upon what we experience in Toledo. And it's, it's just a credit to the community at large. No, of course. And I don't know how much you can speak on this as well, but I've definitely gained a different perspective. When you go to a game as a fan, you're just you're, you're looking at things from the outside. Obviously, when you're when you're working from the inside, I don't know if you can speak on this as well, but you gain a whole different appreciation for the game because you see especially how many different things need to go right for a night to be fantastic and how much it really is about the fans. And so I mean, I, I don't know how much you can speak on that as well. No, I, I you know, it's funny because I I've been working with the Mudhens for over 25 years, and now when I go to a baseball game, minor league, major league, it doesn't really matter. It isn't just about the game. I'm, I'm looking at everything from the advertising to what food and beverage company they're using, what are the lines at the concession stands like, what are the contests on the field like, what's the fan experience like. Um, so that, that can be good and it can be, you know, the, the only negative to that is sometimes it just takes away from the enjoyment of, of going to a baseball game and just really watching the game from my perspective. But um, you, you notice everything. You, you know, you notice how clean the ballpark is. You notice how they operate certain things. Uh, you notice, obviously, you're looking at different ballparks and facilities and comparing them to others you've seen and what what's a cool feature or a cool uh, um, setup that a ballpark has compared to ours and and we really have the best fifth third field stands out and is still considered one of the best in in triple a and all of minor league baseball oh, of course uh, we're, we're here talking with uh, the executive vice president gm of the toledo Mudhens, eric ibsen thank you again for, for joining us and i want to take it back a little bit um fifth third field has not always been the home of the Mudhens. Obviously, they've had a very elongated history, Swain Field being one of the top spots in that history. But I also want, I want to ask you, you were around during the, the construction of the new field. And I want to ask you from your perspective, what went into the construction of what you just said, one of the bright spots in minor league baseball and the bright spots of downtown Toledo being right in the center and one of the centerpieces of the city? So I, I think, you know, the year, Last year of Ned Skeldon Stadium, where I worked at for four or five years, was 2001. So when we knew the ballpark was happening in 1999 or 2000, there was a lot of homework done by our board, the county commissioners, Joe, uh, to do homework and research on other ballparks that had been built the year or a few years prior to ours. And, and you go and you kick the tires on that stuff. And I know multiple ballparks were visited you look you walk around and you see what you like what you don't like what you want to try what you don't want to try what works doesn't always work in every market but as opposed to flying blind you want to go and check out other places and it just gives you ideas and input and it helps you work with the the consultants and the architects putting together the park to to include the features that you want I mean, one example i guess i could think of 
that that would kind of prove this point was here at Fifth Third Field, the suite level and the club level seats. There were some ballparks that had the suites all by themselves and uh, separate from anything else that fans could get to. And when the people involved in our project looked at the Toledo market and knew what the business community was and how everybody knows each other and there's this camaraderie within town, we did not want to separate the club level from the suite level. We wanted club seat holders and businesses that had those season tickets <clears throat> to be able to interact and mingle with suite holders and other business holders. If you separate those two areas, you, you don't get that crossover. So that's an example of uh, a couple ballparks that were seen during that process. Some had that, some did not. And you, you choose something that you think is going to work for your market and ballpark, and that was easily a huge success to this ballpark that we see on opening day or during the summer when people can sweet hop and network and mingle and, and cohabitate with with business members, clients, family, friends, and, 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 and it's not this segregated area that you have to have a special ticket to to have access to. So that would be an example of something where you do a little bit of homework to try and really figure out what is going to be best for your ballpark and your market to lead to sales and success. Was it always a concept to come to downtown Toledo? Was it always the goal to get here? Or was it always that with during the time at Netskeleton Stadium, like was it always like the goal of the organization to be in the heart of Toledo? No, I, I think, you know, there, there was a lot of people weighing in on that. And back then I, I didn't, not being in the role I'm in now, I wasn't necessarily privy to all those conversations that were going on. What, what I can tell you is everybody thought it should come downtown. There were multiple sites and locations looked at, including renovating, at the time, the current site in Maumee where Skeldon was. And depending upon who you were talking to, they had what was the right or wrong answer. So the fact that we ended up here in the middle of the warehouse district and lots of things over the last 20 years have popped up and around us has proven tenfold, a hundredfold that the right location was picked. But it, was, it wasn't an easy process during that stage. There were lots of people with different opinions and uh, you know there, there were season ticket holders, there were sponsors that were telling us they weren't gonna go downtown with us <clears throat> excuse me and uh, I still to this day will have people come up to me and say wow 20 years I'll tell you Eric I did not think this was going to work downtown but boy <laughs> was I wrong yeah. and it's kind of cool to hear that 20 years later people are still willing to to share that feedback and, and the script the script was written and it has surpassed anything that we hoped for and it's hard to believe it's been 20 years but all the projections for attendance uh, all the, th the the numbers that we were drawing in Skeldon Stadium were in the high 200,000s, maybe an occasional 300,000. All the projections for downtown said it'd be between 400 and 425,000 a year, and we've averaged 535,000 over 20 years. So that speaks to the corporate support, the community support, the 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 city and county support, and it's it's been a cool story definitely has definitely has um so this is more of a personal question we love asking on our podcast um so throughout everyone's career we believe that everyone has 
those designated setbacks and they learn from those setbacks to push to potential success. What was that one thing for you that you looked at and said, all right, you know, it's time to move on and drive towards success? Well, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I'm from the Philadelphia area. I went to the University of Arizona. I have a degree in marketing. I wanted to tie that to sports somehow. I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, so I was a little behind the curve in terms of probably not having a plan in place while I was still in school. So I think mine just started by by taking a chance and coming to, Le to Toledo and not knowing anybody. I'd, I'd had some internship offers other places. Uh, Neil Newcomb, actually, I met with at the winter meetings one winter, and he said, hey, come to Toledo and, and interview. And I came to for an interview, and I decided, you know, I'm going to do this. And I'm, I figured at Skeldon Stadium, uh, you know, it wasn't state of the art. I figured, you know, I'd be there for three or four months, get some experience, and then I'd go back either east or west, and and try and find another job. And was offered a sales job um, at the end of that summer, and decided to to stick around and give it a go. And I've been here ever since. You know, there were there were times those few years at Skeldon before the ball before the new ballpark downtown was was ever finalized you, you know you wondered how long you could you could do what you were doing at, at that facility and was it time to go and experience something else but really when fifth third field was built and announced and moved downtown it was basically a new job in the same market with the same co-workers with the same clients and people really were excited to talk to you and and we've mixed it up over the years downtown between a new ballpark, doing an all-star game, starting a hockey team, building an arena, doing a couple winter fests, and you know, so it's it's been fresh, and and we're constantly trying to do new things and reinvent ourselves while at the same time still be Toledo's major league sports teams, and uh, it's it's a pretty neat story. Yeah, and you you spoke on Winterfest as well, and I kind of want to hit on that uh, once, and it was a crazy experience uh, not a, let alone to work that event and put, watch it be put together but at the same time can't imagine what it was like as a fan and uh, you, we set an outdoor record it was the attendance well above 11,000 and I want to know like what went into that from the mud hens perspective and the walleye perspective to kind of put together like one of the best events that we've had in a long time so I think that was the creativity of our, our staff uh, we had seen some NHL teams doing those outdoor games to try and spark some interest and do something different. And we quickly learned the ECHL had never had a team do it. And so, you know, the, the benefit to us running both teams is we can be creative and cross-promote and cross-sell and, and use the two teams together to try new things. So when you run a baseball facility and a baseball team, that made it a little bit easier. But it was really, you know, our... our uh, current and past staff members who were involved in those events to help figure out a plan, work with the companies that could pull it off for us. And, and you know, we obviously had to factor certain things in. You don't want to do an event like that every year due to the cost or you, you don't want the novelty to wear that wear off on something like that. And at the same time, you got to factor in, you know, a baseball field needs to re be replaced every five or six years. So if you, you know, get it on a schedule where you're lining it up with when the field needs to be replaced, 
that makes it that much easier too because you don't have to worry about damaging the field so you you tie all these strategic initiatives together with a fun event and then you start promoting it and selling it two three years ahead of time and then you're able to see the end results and and it, it was great for fifth third field it was great for the mud hens and walleye uh, it's great for downtown to get you know 25 to 35,000 people downtown over a two three week period at what's normally kind of a slow time of year around the holidays um, and and you could see the reaction and you're reaching walleye fans you're reaching college high school and youth hockey players you're reaching the community with the open skates that would sell out whether it was a morning time or a time at midnight in the middle of uh, December and it's just once again it ties back to minor league sports where do you come up with unique fun safe affordable activities that people want to try out and and that's really what it's been all about Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, again, once again, we're live here with the Mud Hens Executive President and GM, Mr. Eric Ibsen. A huge thank you again for coming on and joining us. We're here at the wonderful Lexus Birdcage, but we cannot let you go. We do have, I don't know if you tuned in, but we have a wonderful segment that Ethan is going to introduce. Why don't you go ahead, Ethan? All right, Designated Chatter fans, T-Town, this is something new to you guys. Um, you guys are going to learn to love this segment. It is called The Pickle. It is the pickle. And Eric, we are going to have 10 rapid fire questions for you. Uh-oh. You take take as much time as you need. Right. You're going to get graded at the very end, so <laughs> it's very important. So uh, once you're ready, we'll dive right in. All right. All I set? I'm ready. All right. Number one, we're starting off difficult. What is your favorite food spot in Toledo? Uh, wow. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a steak guy, so there's a lot of good steak places in town. I'd, I'd probably go with uh, Mancy's Steakhouse Mancy's. on the okay. spot. Okay. All right, number two, even a harder one. Favorite memory with the Mud Hens? I think just the the whole. It's pretty cliche, but I think the move downtown and and what that did for our organization, uh, where we were at attendance wise, uh, the facility we were in, Skeldon Stadium was a great place to watch a game, uh, but it didn't have the amenities. And if we had big crowds, we couldn't service the big crowds. So, knowing what fifth third field has done for our organization and for the community and really legitimized us within the AAA and minor league baseball worlds uh, there's been a lot of cool stuff in my time here but th- that that none of that other stuff really would have happened without what's happened downtown at the new ballpark yes sir yes sir and staying downtown for number three what is your favorite feature about fifth third field you know i i think it's just the access like uh, during games i'll walk around and I just I'll observe things what what how is the fan experience what's going well Um, it's a 360 degree concourse downstairs as many people know so you can get up and walk the seating bowl there's not a bad seat in the house so that that would fall into it as well I think that you know you can be in what would be perceived to be the worst seat Mm -hmm. and it's not the worst seat Mm -hmm. and and so the fact that you can get around and explore and get up, you know, and take a little break during the game and wander around and look at different vantage points and, uh, I, you know, that, that's got to be it. I, I've been to many ballparks, and a lot of them just aren't as free-flowing as Fifth Third Field is. And, and uh, you, you, there's, there's certain restrictions or, or you, you just don't feel like you're 
in a homey ballpark and fifth third field really allows you to to experience a lot of different things definitely definitely for the fans out there who didn't know a quick fun fact about fifth third field uh, like eric mentioned about the seating every seat in fifth third field faces home plate so when he means there is no bad seats in the ballpark he's not lying every seat faces uh home plate and is angled towards home plate one of the cool features that comes with fifth third field all right back to the pickle number four what was your favorite mud hens bobblehead Wow, um, <laughs> we've done a lot. Um, I, you know, I think Mike Hessman, obviously, with his history in minor league baseball and being the all-time home run, run king, would be one of them. Jim Weber, our our broadcaster, just called his 6,000th consecutive game a, a little over a month ago. That's a cool one. Um, you know, I love all the past players when you look back, and and it's. Uh, somebody that had an impact either on Toledo specifically or they started here and then had success in the major leagues. You know, I, I think all that stuff. But those are the two that jump out at me at, at quick glance. Okay. All right. Pretty good. Number five, what is the most exciting part of the season for you? You know, I think it's, uh, I mean, opening day is obviously great. It's really when the season turns the corner from when you get past opening day and then it slows down for probably six weeks or so. Kids are still in school. The weather is going to, you know, hit or miss quite often in northwest Ohio. It's really once you kind of turn the corner past that Memorial Day weekend and you know you're getting into the heart of the season, the heart of the summer, uh, baseball just becomes the, the end thing for everybody to watch and attendance picks up. That, that's usually what does it for me. All right, number six. Maybe more of an obvious question here, Eric. Are you a Mash fan? I am. I am. Although I, you know, I'm I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I've seen many episodes, but I was still pretty young when it was at its most popular. So, you know, I I, I imagine I've seen most of the reruns and and follow the show and know what a special place it holds for Mudhen fans and Toledo and Jamie Farr. Um, I'm probably not a MASH expert, but I, <laughs> I, I have seen all of them. I have to have. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Number seven for you. What is your favorite promotion that we have held here? Favorite promotion? I, you know, I, th I think it's something – I think it's – I don't know if I have one. So I, I, I think it's ones that we find that just attract non-baseball fans to try and get them to come to a game. Mm -hmm. And uh, – I have four kids. My my oldest uh, is my daughter, and and she became a big Harry Potter fan a few years ago. And we were seeing other teams do promotions with Harry Potter or superheroes or Star Wars, and we've done all those. And we had never tried the Harry Potter stuff, so we we tried to do it. And you could see tangibly in the ballpark that night a bunch of kids dressing up. Uh, we did some surveying asking if they had ever been to Mud Hens games before, and to see that you can do a promotion and then tie it to a Hens game, and it can have an impact on non-baseball fans coming and trying out something because they, they want to do something new. And if we're doing our job right, they had a good time, so then they'll want to come back on other games and promotions. It's the promotions like that, you know. Still love the fireworks when we're able to do them and do all those things, but it's it's the promotions that really kind of connect people to an event 
like a mud hens game without maybe being the biggest fan and might not come to a game all year if it wasn't for that promotion that we tried exactly um number eight this might be a tough one too out of the 25 seasons um plug and counting that you still have had here what has been the most memorable season dating back i'd say i'd say it was probably 2006 um, back to back. It yep. was it was the second year of the back to back, so that was part of it. It was the All Star game that we had here. Um, we were still, uh, and we're still doing extremely well from all metric standpoints. But that was year five or six at the ballpark. So, you know, attendance we were we were drawing five hundred and seventy five thousand in attendance. So you tie that with a good team. Uh, you tie that together with the All-Star game. That was the year the daughter I just mentioned a few minutes ago was born right in the middle of uh, about three weeks before the All-Star game. Wow. So I think, you know, when you 25 years can blend together pretty quickly, if, if you're going to pick one other than the year the ballpark was open, that, that's the one that has to probably jump out for me for, for those reasons. Yes, sir. Definitely. Yes, sir. Now, uh, number nine for you. I mean, I personally love Toffs, and I, I love the, the – um, the pretzels. The pretzels that I have here are fantastic. But from your standpoint, what is your favorite ballpark snack that we have here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd say the cheesesteak. Yes, the is, cheese uh, if, if I'm hungry and that cheesesteak cart is open, you can't walk by there without picking up the smell. I constantly of that. smell that. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an ice cream guy too. Mm-hmm. So um, even if my kids aren't here at a game, I, <laughs> I still might partake. You'll indulge a little. Correct, <laughs> and I, it doesn't matter what the flavor is either. So yes. uh, uh, Toffs has been a great partner to us for a long time. So it's neat that a local company like that has tied to the hens for 20-plus years, yes. and they have a great product. So that's it's not too hard to down a pint of ice cream. <laughs> at oh, yeah. So oh, no. yeah. No. Um, definitely. And if you haven't already, guys, make sure you get down to Fifth Third Field to try out all the amazing food around the concourse area, as we mentioned. And number 10, to wrap it up, um, what would be, give us your best advice that you'd give someone looking to get into the industry? That, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's really um, asking a lot of questions, talking to as many people as you can in different positions, even if it's a job in the industry that you think you might not be interested in, getting different vantage points and perspectives and talking to as many people as you can at different organizations that let you network, let you get ideas, let you get creative, let you understand things a little bit more while you're trying to figure out what you want your path to be. That's always been the advice I've given. It was advice I tried to follow. Uh, when I talked about not knowing where I was going to go after school and I ended up coming here to do an internship, that was, that was based upon a lot of homework and research and where I thought, you know what, I don't have a lot of experience. I've got to do an internship, and this one felt like the right one to try. So talk to a lot of people, ask a lot of questions, get a better understanding as to what areas you might have an interest in, and then you know, ask some direct questions too about what it takes to get an opportunity in an organization. What can you do above and beyond other people that are doing internships or might be interested in the same same sort of job or career start? And 
it gives you a leg up, and it's all about improving those odds. All right. Yeah. I don't know what you, Ethan, but I felt like an A-plus pickle segment. <laughs> oh, yeah. A-plus-plus. That <laughs> was 12 out of 10. Especially, especially, especially when you dropped on the, uh, how easy it is to down a pint yeah. in, in, in a day. That's when it got me. <laughs> okay. That, that was right. the good one right there. <laughs> so, yeah. a great test taker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So, yes, one more time, uh, Eric Gibson, the Mudhens Executive President and GM, joins us on the podcast. A huge thank you for joining us. We hope you had a good time. We had a blast. This so. was awesome. Yes. Oh, thank you both for being passionate baseball fans being passionate mud and walleye fans and helping out the organization it's it's appreciated by all of us of course thank you we definitely couldn't be more happier to be here and just like how eric said guys if you're looking to get into the industry talking to the people around you your other employees it gets you somewhere exactly me and jacob proven we we came into this industry just as an intern and with the people that we met we couldn't be more thankful of and now we're being able to provide this great content to you guys so we couldn't be more thankful for the people we've met along the way but from us here at designated chatter that's going to take us to the end of the podcast you can make sure to listen to all of our podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts, and many other streaming platforms um you can also make sure to follow us on all social media including facebook twitter instagram and tiktok all at designated chatter um if you have not received your designated chatter shirt yet make sure to go to designated chatter merch Dice.com to get your shirt today um, and if you guys have not make sure you get tickets for the weekend of July 23rd the Mud Hens come back in town against the Columbus Clippers We've got some great promotions going on that um, weekend too I'm pretty sure Birdzerk is coming, on, coming oh, yeah. in for another great promotional night but from here is a designated chatter another great guest today Eric thank you again until next time stay safe and we will see you back on the show